When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. It was quite a... uh... Tuesday night in sports, Longhorns getting her done in Lubbock last night, no doubt about that. Also, Longhorn baseball continuing their hot start to the season. Wasn't a good night for the Texas teams in the NBA, including the Mavericks. They got stunned, stunned. daggered by the uh, Cavaliers. What you hear that coming up. Also, eyes on the NFL scouting combine. We're here coming up here, Rod. Uh, D'Amico Ryan, coach of the Texans. We heard some Stephen Jones in the Cowboys last hour. Mm-hmm. D'Amico talking about pretty clear the, the Texans are looking for weapons for C.J. Stroud. Let's hear D'Amico talk about what type of receivers they may be looking for in Indianapolis. I like that. I like that, too. And, yes, the Cowboys working on a new contract for Dak Prescott. That was confirmed, as expected yesterday, by Stephen Jones. That, oh, yeah, our plan is to have Dak. Yeah, for you guys expecting the Cowboys to make a hard decision about Dak, I'm not saying they shouldn't rethink the um, that the, the vision of their, uh, you know, the blueprint and the future of the Cowboys as it relates to Dak. Uh, but he came off his best season ever. I don't think I've ever remembered a guy finishing second team all, second team all pro and finishing in the MVP voting and not getting a contract extension. It's just not going to happen. He's going to get that. He's going to, and that's, it's going to be fat. Like it's, there are some people said it might, he might end up being the highest paid quarterback, like, in the league after this extension. Like, that's possible. You know, it's starting to remind me of Ron. I've said it a couple times. It's, it's kind of transcending his own sport because he, he's so ice cold in January. It's become kind of like James Harden without the off-field stuff. Like yeah. when James Harden was in Houston, he was winning scoring titles. and He was yeah, among was. The, the best players. He was first team all NBA. Uh, great player. But we know what happened when they would get to the playoffs. And he would come up small over and sure. over and over again. And I was like, at some point, what do you do? And it's, uh, it's, it's a conflict because he's such a great player and or such, a, such a really uh, – mm-hmm. unlike James Harden, he's a great leader too. He, he does everything right. He's likable. Says yeah. everything right. Yep. He's, you know, you know, except for that full leg tattoo. I don't know if I get that, but hey. you know, whatever you got to hey, do. He's got a wild side. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not going to be sedated for 12 hours to get a tattoo. That seems a little bit dangerous to me. Just to me, <laughs> I don't need I don't need the the the, uh, the anesthesiologist hanging out while I get a full tattoo. But you no, know, teach his own. Teach his own. That is kind of well. Um, that's not something I would even you know get, get me out of here. But um, you know that's the conflict, right? And he's going to get resigned, and he's going to be your quarterback. But much like I, I think Houston fans became resigned to, okay, then we have a ceiling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this is who we are. This is who we are. You know, it's 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 a it's a struggle, and and unless you know, Dak can change that narrative, which, um, which he he could. I mean, Dak is still not thirty years old yet. Yeah, he's still relatively young, and the Cowboys could add some more pieces. I think they're gonna cut Michael Gallup. 
potentially. I think they'll release him. There's a lot of money tied up in Gallup, and he is underperforming as it relates to that contract. They could go get another receiver, and then they could, once again, elevate this offense. They get a good running back, elevates the offense. So if the offense takes another step and Dak continues to play at this level and he's got to do that in the postseason, Cowboys could make some noise, but they still got to beat the 49ers in the NFC. You got the Green Bay Packers now. They're a problem. And I think also in that own division, you got the Eagles, the Eagles that are going to be a problem. Well, and there are some people who think that the uh, with new ownership, the commanders could take a jump if they get the pick right at quarterback. That could be a lead. The Rams ain't going nowhere. Remember the, the Rams start rebuilding. Yeah, and the Rams were a – They're going to trust me. Sean McVay ain't going anywhere. I mean, the Rams damn near beat Detroit in Detroit that's in the playoffs. That was, a, that was a hell of a game. And yeah. Detroit, we know, is a play away from going to the Super Bowl. So, yeah. I would know. Matt Stafford can still sling it and Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua and those dudes and Sean McVay. They're not going anywhere. And, and, you know, what if Washington all of a sudden with the most cap space in the league yeah. and the number one pick mm-hmm. or number two pick, what if Drake May is real good? And all of a sudden you're dealing with a, be. A, another real problem in your own division because, you know, if you're – Washington fan, you're just thrilled that Daniel Snyder is gone. And now you have, like, football people running the football team and there's not an owner meddling. And, uh, you know, the argument is the the Washington team has had the same problem you've had with Daniel Snyder and Jerry Jones for for decades. They're gone. He's gone. They've hired a general manager from the 49ers. You're right. They've got cap space. They've hired Dan Quinn. They're trying to move forward and build a a roster with a good chain of command. Uh, They could become a problem, too. So, uh, if they hit the quarterback. Can we get to the other top stories, though? Headlines on this uh, Wednesday? Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring it to you. And, yes, how about we start with uh, Lubbock, in Lubbock land, as they call it. The Longhorn men went into Lubbock and stared down that raucous road environment, delivered their strongest performance of the year, arguably. They earned a critical 81-69 win at the United Supermarkets Arena. Score wasn't that close in the final meeting between Texas and Texas Tech as members of the Big 12. Um, Texas, uh, from the opening tip, dominated the game on both ends, quickly built a double-digit lead. They're up 19-9. That ballooned to a 24-point lead at the half at 47-23. Contest pretty much decided there. Texas Tech made a few runs in the second half. Tempers flared when Brock Cunningham uh, hip-checked and decked Red Raider forward Darian Williams into the scorer's table while the two were chasing a loose ball. That led to a near melee, but order was restored. Cunningham was ejected. Horns ran out the clock from there, got out of Lubbock with a double-digit win. Dylan DeSue led all scorers with 21. Max Aismas broke out of his slump with 18. They improved 18-10 and 10 on the year. They're 7-8 and eight in Big 12 play back home on Saturday hosting Oklahoma State. Also, Big 12 last night. How about Houston, number one team in the land now? They roll past Cincinnati down in H-Town. Massive upset in Lawrence where BYU went into Fog Allen Fieldhouse and snapped Kansas's 71-game home win streak against unranked opponents, 76-68. Life in the Big 12. Uh, in Norman tonight, third-ranked Texas women facing a similar environment to the men last night. They're going to be in Norman to face Oklahoma in what's the game of the year in the Big 12 on the women's side. Uh, right now, Oklahoma on top of the Big 12 standings at 14-2. Longhorns have wheeled off eight in a row since their loss to Oklahoma at home uh, six weeks ago. Uh, they're 13-3 and in a game back. Game tips at 6 o'clock tonight. UFC Dishfall Field last night, 15th-ranked Texas baseball closed out their season opening eight-game homestand with a win, 15-4. They demolished St. John's. Jalen Flores, short, sophomore shortstop, drilled a pair of home runs, including a go-ahead grand slam in the fourth inning. His second granny already this year. He drove in six. Freshman Will Gasparino drove in four more on a three-for-three three night. Uh, another 0-for-3 night for the Texas trio in the NBA. Spurs lost at Minnesota. Houston lost at OKC. And how about the heartbreaker in Cleveland? Mavericks uh, get a layup from P.J. Washington to put them up two point uh, up. A point with 2.9 ticks left. Max Struess of the Cavs nailed a 59-footer at the buzzer to give Cleveland a 121-119 win.
Horror Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Yeah, the best thing about that uh, performance by Texas men's basketball is the fast start. The the fast start what they needed. All right, he came out. I think started on the six or run. They were up by you know, twenty points <laughs> um, before uh, halftime. They were up by twenty four points at halftime, and the points off the bench got thirty four points off oh, the that's... bench. That was huge, and honestly, the defense showed up in the first half, and they held Tech to eight of thirty three shooting in the first half. It was one point where Tech missed like twelve straight shots. Yeah, well, they were ice cold. It was, I think, for like it was like a sixteen minute mark to around the nine and a half minute mark, where well, they went ice cold. But it wasn't just ice cold; it's because Texas did a great job locking down. Yeah, uh, they yeah, eight for thirty three in the first half, one of ten from three point land, and um, you know it was it was dominance. It really was, and you it said was. it. You know the things, the the the, the factor Texas is they've been consistently inconsistent this year. Mm-hmm. The two real consistent factors they have night in night out is you can count on Dylan DeSue. And you can count on Kendall Weaver. Yep. Those two guys bring it every every night for 40 minutes or however many minutes they're on the floor. The wild cards become the backcourt, which Max Asmus was back, scored 18 last mm-hmm. night. The you know, I do like the the starting lineup change of putting IT Horton in the starting lineup to put a shooter on the floor to too. open up a little bit more for Max Asmus and space the floor a little bit better. Um, bring Kendall Weaver off the bench, and that was part of that bench brigade you mentioned, Rod. Kendall Weaver had 15. Caden Shedrick, who's hit or miss, he had 10. And uh, Brock Cunningham had nine and had the tackle of the year. <laughs> the decleater of the year. Seriously, could have been out there for Texas football in the Sugar Bowl. I mean, it was a, that was a nice tackle. He sized him up pretty good. Pretty good. But that's how we know he wasn't going for the ball either. Tackle was too good. If he was going for the ball, the tackle wouldn't have been that good. <laughs> he was going for the man. He wanted to knock his block off. It was which, like t- rugby tackling, like uh, get yeah. the head in front of the man. It, I, except it, I, I know it was dirty, and I will admit it was, as a Texas fan, that it was a dirty play. Um, and I think he did it intentionally, too. I don't think it was something that he, it was on accident. He was going after the ball. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, are really doing South Carolina to be size, making the second size. But for me is that I, I think he was trying to set the tone. I think he was trying to make a statement. I think he was trying to send a message. And the message was, yeah, we're up big, but we're not letting up. Like that, this is. I think it was about the attitude of the team at the time, and yeah, it may have been a revenge factor in there. Who knows? <laughs> uh, there was a lot going on in that game, but I, like I said, I, I think it was one of those penalties that, uh, you know, that a coach will take because it was one where the player was trying to send a message, and I think the the, the team not only did the opposing team get the message, but his team got the message. That no, 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 we still got to match intensity. We don't want this, this level of intensity to drop off. We will still want to keep this fiery attitude. Uh, we still want to come in here with a low. We still want to continue to close this game out with toughness. They didn't close the game out efficiently. No, they didn't. I mean, they actually, <laughs> they actually were, were terrible from the floor shooting in that second half. They were 8 of 26, I think, in the second half, 1 of 10 from three-point range. But it didn't matter because they still played with a, a certain level of toughness and intensity that I, I think, you know, Tech, there was no way Tech was getting back in the game, and the game was a blowout. Um, but, you know, offensively, they didn't close out the game great, but I think they closed the game out with attitude, and they closed the game out with toughness. That's how they closed that game out. No doubt about that. Big. Yep, uh, no question about that. Uh, it was their best performance, I mean, without a doubt. And that's you know, but now the challenge for Rodney Terry and this team because I'm going to put it on the players to um, keep playing that way. I mean, you you have to bottle that and that. Okay, yep. there it is. It's like he, 
used to tell my kids they'd get an A on a test. I'm like, okay, well, that it's there. That's we got it. Well, yeah. how, how did we get there? Well, we, you know, we studied for it. You prepared. You did exactly all your right. uh, work ahead of time, and you got an A. So, uh, you know, don't be bringing no C's up in here. <laughs> Not up in here. Well, I know what you're capable of now. Yeah, absolutely. So now I actually will be disappointed yeah. if you come back here with that C or you come back or if Texas comes back and then we get a disappointing performance with a slow start and the guards don't play well. Guard play was great. Max A. Smith was fantastic, had a great start. He had 11 points in the first half. Fast start for him. Um, he was really good. And, you know, they get that, if the Texas backcourt plays real like they did versus Tech and they get a fast start, I think a fast start is key for this team because they, when they can play where they lead or they get that fast start, they play more aggressively, they play with more confidence. Um, and I think when they got to dig themselves out of a hole the entire game, I think it wears down this team. I think it wears down their psyche a little bit too. And they come closer to playing with an identity or at least a, a style or a brand of basketball when they get that fast start and play with the lead. But when they play from, with a, from a deficit, they almost end up playing the style of play of their opponents and letting their opponents dictate the tempo and dictate the terms of the game. But when they get out of a fast start, it's like they control the tempo they control the terms and they are forcing the opponents to play their style now what that style is i'm not sure that we know right now i'm not sure they well, know i think last night's the style roddy terry has on his blueprint right yes. this is, okay we're gonna play really sticky defense we're gonna you know make it tough on the on the opponent and then we're gonna be a better you know because when they're cranking and playing at that level then they are a good offensive team rod i mean they are a good offensive team they have offensive weapons that few can match yep. um you know the I mean, Houston and their physicality and their defense and their toughness and all that stuff, and then Jamal Shedd's an amazing player. But there are very few teams in this conference that have a three-level score like Dylan DeSue, a score like Max Asmus, uh, an energy guy like Kendall Weaver, a second uh, alternative, alternative ball handler like Tyrese Hunter. They've got pieces. Yes, they do. That's the thing. It's not like this team is without talent. Yeah, and then yeah. sometimes they just look so average. <laughs> and I, I, I was thinking of something we talked about last night on, on Texas football's Tuesday Night Livestream we do where Isaiah Bond, the Texas football player, had the tweet, make winning a habit, not a goal. Yep. Right? This is what this Texas basketball team has to do. That performance last night has to be the habit. That's how we do it. I agree with that. Uh, coming up tonight, we have Texas women's basketball, right? Ooh. And how about this? There's a st- in, a, in, a, uh, in availability yesterday, Vic Schaefer talked about how nine games ago they played Oklahoma and gave up 91 points and lost. Vic, Vic Schaefer says the key to their season – because, of course, they had lost Rory Harmon for the year. They, had, they were adjusting on the fly. But that, one, that was the one where we played the sound of Vic Schaefer, just embarrassed about his team's performance. They had a 5-15 practice the next morning, Rod. 5-15. And by NCAA rule, you have, you have to give your, your players an eight-hour break. So the earliest he could get them back there was 5-15, by rule. And, they were, <laughs> and guess what? They went two-a-days that next day. I love it. They went 5-15. They came back in the afternoon, and they haven't lost a game since. And you heard Vic Schaefer saying kind of similar to what we're talking about. Winning is not a goal. It's a habit. Mm-hmm. Winning comes from the habits we have day by day. And, it, and this is what this Texas basketball team has to understand, that it, it shouldn't take being embarrassed at Kansas to bring that level of effort yeah. and that level of physicality and intensity. That needs to be the standard. If it is, they're a dangerous team. But obviously we've seen it go the other way, and all of a sudden they can get beat by anybody, including Oklahoma State on Saturday. You're right about at that. At home. Yeah. All right, Rod. There's some basketball. Props to the Longhorns. And as somebody, no, it was like I said, it was a great, it was a mature moment for them to go on the road in that raucous environment. That was the rowdiest environment they've seen all season long, and we expected it to at least impact the Longhorns in some way, and it did. But it it impacted them to bring out the best 100%. <laughs> in the Longhorns. They had they played with an edge. 
Yeah, they well, played and, and, with an edge. And they, well, they played with it. You know, whatever we think of Brock Cunningham, that that's the tone you need. I he's, mean, yeah, exactly. And, and then you're playing in a cage, cage match. You know, you, sometimes you gotta, you know, gouge an eye a little you need bit. Your here likes to, if you're playing a cage <laughs> match, you need a likes to fight guy out there. Yeah, and that's kind of what you know Brock represents. He's an instigator, but he does have toughness. I mean, he's all about toughness. And like I said they did. They played with an edge, and I think it was the Texas Tech atmosphere, you know, the trash talk beforehand. We know how Tech is. I think all of that helped Texas to get in the right state of mind. Like you said, now now they got to replicate it. Now they got to try to bottle that, and they got to figure out what their identity and brand of basketball is because that's as close to it as we've seen. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, next game is uh, Saturday, 1 o'clock, uh, Oklahoma State in town. Texas women tonight, 6 o'clock from Norman in that huge game. Uh, all right, Ty, I sent you a couple of pieces here from the uh, combine yesterday. This is interesting. We talked Cowboys last hour. Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain coming up. But let's hear about the Texans here because uh, uh, let me, let's hear from D'Amico Ryans because we know they're looking for weapons. You've talked about how deep this receiver class is. Yep. You don't have to get a first-round receiver. You probably get a really good – like Tank Dell in the third round last year. You know, you can target receivers. Here's uh, D'Amico Ryans uh, from the Combine yesterday on what type of receivers they're looking for to build around Tank Dell and Nico Collins. Sorry, what, what, which one is that, Aaron? Uh, D'Amico Ryans uh, on yeah, the types of receivers. I got, I got three. I don't think any of them were about receivers, though. No, I just sent it. No, it's, 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 it's the one I just sent you uh, 19 minutes ago. Okay, I got it. Yeah, with the receiver position, we're looking for guys who are separators, right? Who can separate, who can find a way to get open, right? And if you have that one redeeming quality that you can separate, right, that's what we're looking for, especially that shows up on third down, right? How do you win third down? How do you stay on the field as an offense, right, and continue to produce uh, and move the ball down the field? It's about third down, right, and being able to convert. And the way you convert is guys who are savvy enough to find a way to always get open. All right, Rod. If you say, uh, you know, like the Longhorns, you're you're uh, emphasizing coverage. Well, sorry, there's 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 D'Amico saying we're emphasizing separation. Yeah. Because we have a quarterback who can put it on a dime, put on the money, and we need you open. And we saw all the times last year when Tank Dell got hurt and then Nico was out. I mean, the guys are just covered. Yeah. Glue. And uh, you know, th- this quarterback has shown that if you can give him a little bit of separation, he'll get it to you. Yeah. No, that's a great. I mean, I, I love that mindset because. You know, he doesn't need a big window, but what if you can make his job easier? Yeah. <laughs> make his young make the young quarterback's life a lot easier by giving him bigger passing windows with quarterback or sorry, wide receivers that can naturally create separation. I would say the route running is a little bit overrated, the precision route running thing. I mean, you want precision routes so the quarterback knows exactly where the wide receiver is supposed to be um, so that he can have that uh, anticipatory element to his game where he can throw a receiver open. But the truth is – Route running is just the art of creating separation. How do you create that separation? Some do it through precise routes. Go watch Travis Kelsey. Not one right angle. There's no precise angles in any of his damn routes. He's just getting open. (laughs) He's just running around, finding ways to get open to create separation, however that may be, with his body language, with his eyes, depending on what the defender is keying on. Um, So you're right about that. you got to find receivers that are skilled at creating separation. I'm glad he didn't mention route running or anything like that. No, no, no. Or speed, because sometimes guys guys can be fast, but he he doesn't know the art of creating separation. He doesn't know how to use his speed. Forget all that. Let's get a guy that knows how to get up. DeAndre Hopkins didn't have great speed. 
Uh, and DeAndre Hopkins didn't create didn't create a lot of separation either because he would win 50-50 balls all the time. He'd yeah. say, just throw it up. If it's one-on-one, I'm going to win it. So every receiver is built a little bit differently. He wants receivers specifically that create separation. And in the analytical era, they can tell you that. I mean, there are, there's data on what receivers coming out create the most separation in, uh, with DBs in zone coverage with the nearest defender and in man coverage. So you can find that out. As a matter of fact, I can probably pull it up here and we can find it out today. Uh, so that, I love the way he said that, though. That matters to me. That's about separation. Not, not necessarily speed, not necessarily uh, precision route running. No, no, separation. Well, it occurs to me, obviously, that's when Tom Brady was at his peak, that's what they wanted in New England, right? They wanted mm-hmm. the quick, shifty guys who – you, you, Tom Brady will find you. Just get, find you know, you. Re, be on the same page and get yep. yourself open. Uh, Julian Edelman or Wes Welker. That's exactly uh, and, right. And look, into that stat you're going to look up. Tank Dell was among the best last year coming out. Yes, uh, he was creating separation, separation at the University of Houston. Yep. And he obviously uh, had a heck of a rookie year until mm-hmm. he got hurt. Uh, one other on the Texan side of thing, and this is uh, Aaron Wilson, an insider who covers the Texans uh, down there for. Uh, the local TV station. Here's Aaron Wilson underscore NFL on Twitter talking about Saquon Barkley, who is likely to become a free agent in a couple of weeks. Hi, this is Aaron Wilson from KPRC and www.clicktohouston.com. I'm at the NFL Scouting Combine where we're going to hear from D'Amico Ryans later today and Nick Casario, the Texans general manager, tomorrow. The Texans are in a much different state than they were a year ago. They're the defending AFC South champions. They're a team that a lot of people, a lot of free agents, want to come to. Perhaps even Saquon Barkley. I've been told it's his favorite team right now, his choice in free agency. We'll see if that leads to a deal, if the Texans reciprocate. But there's communication back and forth with him and top players like C.J. Stroud. A lot of recruiting efforts, a lot of smoke this time of year. We're here to document it all and bring you coverage of the NFL scouting combine putting some of the draft prospects have been linked to the right, There Texans. we go. There's uh, the highlight there is he's been told that uh, Saquon Barkley's favorite destination as a free agent would be Houston. We've heard that before, but there's yeah. at the combine hearing the same thing. Yeah, Aaron Wilson um, said it earlier that uh, that that basically Saquon Barkley not only was following Texas players on social media, um, but the players were following him and that the, there is mutual interest in that Saquon Barkley is interested in going to the Texans. So now, now that we know that, but we also know that's his favorite, his number one destination potentially. Can the Texans put together a package that you know, is appealing enough for him to sign? I I think I'd try to sign him for two years, and I'd try to try to get it out after the first year, potentially, just in case something goes wrong. Yeah. Um, and make it really incentive laden, um, so that if he stays healthy, he'll get the full contract pretty much, or he'll get a lot of bonuses with that contract. But if he doesn't stay healthy, then as a team, you're not you're not taking a lot of risks with that contract. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Uh, there are Texans fans showing stats between Saquon Barkley and Devin Singletary. What he did last year, you know, somewhat better. Uh, but again, the team he was on, the Giants, were a wreck last year, especially when you got Tommy DeVito playing quarterback and not a lot of weapons. Yeah. Uh, the running back position, you know, numbers can lie a little bit there. But again, I mean, Saquon, there's some that do believe he's just a big name, not uh, the player he once was, but uh, still looks pretty damn dynamic to me when I, you know, watch I, him play. I think it's great. Some, I one of the arguments in the analytical um, world about this possible acquisition for Texans with Saquon Barkley is, is Saquon Barkley a, a high-level zone runner? The reason that they benched, Damian Pierce 
even though Damian Pierce was one of the better rookie running backs because he's just not a good zone runner. He's a power gap runner. Um, some running backs are good at both. doesn't necessarily matter. Uh, other running backs, they're a more, you know, they're more skilled and more attuned to a zone scheme rather than a gap and a power scheme. Texans are running that Shanahan zone-blocking running scheme, and Devin Singletary, he understood it. All right, one cut and go, get downhill. He he really did as a runner. He fit. He was more compatible with that uh, that run that style of run game. And I wonder is Saquon Barkley. He probably is a running back that can do anything. Um, but is you know the the scheme they run in New York is it a power gap scheme? I haven't done the research. Or are they running more of the zone concepts with the Texans are going to run? And if that's the case, is he a good zone runner? Is he an elite zone runner? If he's not, then. Don't, why would you pay a lot of money for him no. to bring him in? Why don't you go find a running back that fits your system a little bit better? Uh, we'll follow it into the offseason. Obviously, the combine is up and running. Running yep. backs, receivers, and quarterbacks Saturday on the field, the combine. Tomorrow, oh, yeah. D tackles or D line. You'll have some edge rushers that will put up some big numbers tomorrow, Rod, and the, the linebackers mm-hmm. who will be making things happen because we know there's kind of a, a mix. Are you an edge? Are you a linebacker? You're, we know that Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy are both DTs mm-hmm. uh, on the nose uh, or in the middle there. We'll come back. We'll pick it up with uh, at the turn halfway through our Wednesday conversation. Rod will then take us behind the BOC. We've got off the record for the end of the hour. Lock it in. I'll hook him up with Ian Rod B. I'm all right. Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. At the turn, just after 8.30, meaning we're halfway through our five-hour Wednesday conversation, talking Texas hoops, Texas baseball, a little football in there with the combine, and obviously a little golf for nine holes out, nine to go. If you're headed out to the golf course today, the uh, weather has certainly changed, and you're going to be dealing with a gusty wind out of the north after dealing with uh, warm conditions the last several days. Temperatures approaching 90 degrees. Today, we might get uh, just over 60 degrees, dropping about uh, 25, 30 degrees today. The cold front has moved through. Texas, man. Welcome to Texas. Welcome to Texas. (laughs) Multiple seasons in one. Yeah, it'll be really cold, even colder tomorrow, and then uh, back into the 70s into the weekend. So, uh we will take that. Uh, at, at the turn, in at the turn, Rod, we know they're heading into the Florida swing starting this weekend. They'll tee off tomorrow down in Palm Beach at uh, PGA National there. Uh, John Rahm, John Rahm, who's now on the Live Tour, uh, really shocked the golf world, or for a lot of people anticipated, but it shocked a lot of people when he joined the Live Tour right before the season began and spoke on it publicly for the first time yesterday, and I'll pull some sound for it uh, for later at the turns, but uh, – uh, give him credit. He didn't. Uh, he didn't sugarcoat. He said, "You know, money was a big factor. Mm-hmm. Money was I'll, a big factor. Always right? is. <laughs> yeah. Straight cash, homie." Well, some people try mm-hmm. to, you know, you, you know, pull your leg and say it's not one about the money. It's about uh, no, it's about the money. I, I mean, like when they admit that. Yeah, like me too. I like when it's the cause. No, no, it was about the money. It was. <laughs> it was actually about You're, the money. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, it's you know, and you know, legacies are important. But he won the Masters last year, so he'll get to play in the Masters. You know, every year moving forward. Uh, he'll get to play in the majors, and I mean, like, I think a big, big. Uh, you know, I, don't, I don't think I, I know a big factor for a lot of these guys was seeing Brooks Kepka join Live as one of the early guys and come back and play in all the majors and win one and compete in all of them. Oh and, yeah. So it's like, oh, wait, wait a second, I don't have to play in all these tournaments and I can make that kind of money and I can still play in the right. in the majors. I'll take it. And I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, you, know, you can and you can't take it back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, that was a big blow to the PGA Tour, no doubt, to lose a, a, a character and a player of the caliber of John Rahm. 
uh, his fiery Spaniard nature, and now he's playing on the Live Tour. And the Live has an event this weekend uh, while the uh, the PGA is playing down there in Florida. So good to hear. We'll pull some sound from that. But uh, John John Rom speaking on it. And we told you uh, coming up March sixth is when that Netflix series PGA the full swing uh, behind the scenes debuts. Uh, a lot of people eager to see that. I'm, I'm, I know a lot of golf friends of mine are going to watch the whole thing. Full, all the way through. All the way through, just Because huh? it's, uh, it's, uh, it's all the live controversy. It's oh, uh, a lot of subplots last year in golf, and it's all now been put together and packaged some, nicely. Well, you got a, you got villains now. you got, you know, real-life oh, villains. Yeah. You need, villains create conflict. Conflict creates storylines. And now with golf, you got storylines. Well, how about this? All we, because of the villains, man. Well, yeah, yesterday, news made by a guy named Taylor Gooch. Taylor Gooch. Gooch. He's, he's on the Live Tour now. He's, he was never a great player on the PGA Tour, just a guy. Gooch. But he is now on the Live Tour and made the claim that if Rory McIlroy, uh, the biggest face on the PGA Tour, were to win the Masters this year with all the Live guys leaving, it, it would be tainted. So it would be tainted. So he's setting it up to be controversial. Like, yeah. Because Rory just needs the Masters to finish the career Grand Slam. Uh, to win all the majors, so we lose it. And now they're saying, "Oh no, no, you win it." You know, we got a bunch of our guys that aren't aren't there. John Rahm will be there, of course, and Bubba uh, Watson and all those guys. Got an asterisk spot, huh? Saying, "Oh yeah, saying it deserves that taint. <laughs> it deserves a taint because they all, you know, that's been the biggest villain. So if the live players see Rory as the villain. Everybody sees oh, them as villains, and oh yeah, you've created. Uh, that's great, man. And good and evil, and so now Rory yeah. is going to be asked that question: Will it be tainted if you win the Masters? He's oh, gonna, you know, of course, he's going to piss like, him off. He's going to oh, oh, like what? <laughs> <laughs> he, I, I can see it right now. Offended by it. Oh, hundred percent. Oh man, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I like to just listen. You need a little petty. You need a little petty. We we learned that petty helps ratings. People like petty. That's the NBA is really petty when it comes to some of their interactions. We've seen it in women's basketball, college women's basketball now. The petty, uh, the NFL has gotten a little bit pettier too with some of their, uh, you know, interactions and some of the beef going on between coaches. I mean, you had coaches calling out coaches. Yeah. Remember Sean Payton called out Nathaniel Hackett? Oh. Since he called him one of the worst coaches in the history of the NFL. Uh, petty helps, man. It does. It's entertaining. We like petty as America. Well, you know, and then you get a cross block from uh, Brock Cunningham in a basketball game, and he Petty. does the horn up, horns exactly. up on the way out. There you go. He's forever a villain in Lubbock and uh, forever a legend in Longhornland. That you know? is true. He's a villain. He's one of the more hated uh, athletes to ever come out of the University of Texas from a tech perspective. I like talking about that. Like, I think Sam Ellinger is probably the most hated Longhorn if you look at uh, Sooners because he played him so much. And he was such a longhorn, right? Take the like, loss. Like they, yeah. Like, they hate that dude. They hate Sam. And I was like, why do they hate Sam? Like, oh, he played him so much, yeah. Yeah. And beat him when he wasn't supposed well, to. Well, and longhorn fans hate Kyler Murray. They hate Kyler Murray. Baker Mayfield. Him. Oh, Baker. Baker's in it because Baker's from Austin. Yeah. So, Baker's got – it's a special hatred you got for Baker because he's from – it's not Baker's fault. Baker wanted to go to Texas, too. They didn't recruit him. Um, but there's a special kind of hatred because of that intimate connection Well, because he really hates Austin. And as Texas. I said earlier, the best, the best – uh, uh, fan sign last night in Lubbock said, "Hey Brock, get a job." And get this was before he tackled the dude. <laughs> yeah, they already, they already, already knew he was going to do something. Would you get the hell out of here? I mean, come on, man. Come it's on, your dude. fourth trip into Lubbock uh, every two years for God crying out loud. Loves it. Hey, can we uh, wrap up at the turn? There it is, your halfway point of the uh, Hook 'Em Up program. Time to go behind the BOC. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? (laughs) 
All right, let's get into a couple of items here, uh, Longhorn-related. A couple about Longhorn football and a couple about the NFL Combine. So first thing I want to talk about is the uh, the NFL Combine and uh, some mock drafts, some new mock drafts that are out. There are two stories I want to get to. Bucky Brooks' latest mock draft did a one-round mock draft, and we'll get to the Longhorns represented there. Also, uh, Pro Football Focus did their um, – they did a list of players at each position with the most to gain uh, from the NFL combine and there's one longhorn listed and i want to get into that too uh first we'll start with the bucky brooks mock draft he's got uh the only longhorn in his first round mock draft is byron murphy and byron murphy is considered to be the top longhorn off everybody's board um he's got uh them going to the houston texans taking byron murphy uh drafting him 23rd overall it says here D'Amico ryan's wants to invest in the trenches to help the defense take the next step murphy gives the texans a rugged interior defender to build around and remember he's from that shanahan coaching tree the mcshanahan coaching tree and in the long-standing debate, I should say, about pressure versus coverage, Shanahan has always been a pressure guy, which means he's going to invest in pressure defenders, elite D linemen in the draft or free agency or the trade market. He's trying to bring in D linemen that can create pressure. He's not necessarily investing in the secondary in coverage. Uh, some Bill, Bill Belichick famously was a guy that invested in coverage, right? He'd bring in uh, the best DBs because he believed coverage will create pressure. There's some coaches that believe pressure will inevitably you know, in, in improve your coverage because you want the cover as long. But anyway, uh, it makes sense to Miko Ryan's from that Shanahan coaching tree that in back-to-back years he would draft uh, early on in the first round, end up drafting a front seven defender. Edge rusher last year, Will Anderson, interior D lineman this year for the Texans. And these are all guys who specialize in what? Creating pressure off the edge. So it, it aligns philosophically with what I think the Mick Shanahan coaching tree uh, emphasizes, which is, hey, man, we're going to invest in pressure. Uh, the Cowboys in this uh, mock draft from Bucky Brooks, they're taking – Tyler Guyton, uh, the Oklahoma offensive tackle, in case you were cons- you a Cowboys fan and you want to know what they were taking. We're talking about the Longhorns here, but uh, they do have the Cowboys taking an offensive tackle. And by the way, most of the mock drafts I've seen that go deep into the third round, they have the Cowboys taking two offensive linemen in the first three picks. Most of the – and if you have a mock draft that has gone three rounds, um, I've seen some two-round mock drafts that the Cowboys take an offensive lineman in the first uh, and the second pick. So – the Cowboys are going to take an O-lineman early. I haven't seen really a mock draft that doesn't have uh, the Cowboys taking an offensive lineman in the first round. And then there is Buzz, as you talked about. This is another story that I wanted to get to, but we can bring it up right now because I think it's relevant. You know, Ian Rappaport did report – I don't know, let's say that five times fast. Ian Rappaport reported earlier this week that Jonathan Brooks, who has been linked to the Cowboys, uh, is ahead of schedule in his recovery – and rehab, and that he is expected to be cleared by training camp. So any team that likes Jonathan Brooks may get Jonathan Brooks next season. So he's saying that Jonathan Brooks is ahead of schedule. That's really, really good news. And as you've pointed out several times, the reason he's linked to the Cowboys is because the Cowboys' doctor, uh, surgeon, actually did the, uh, did the surgery on Jonathan Brooks's knee. So that's why he's been linked to the Cowboys. And like I said, the reports are that he'll be, he'll be ready to go by the time this season starts. 
All right, another um, topic that I wanted to get to here is, and we'll get to the uh, the Pro Football Focus article I want to get to, but I want to get these bet online odds for the SEC championship and for um, the college football playoff, the 12 team playoff. Um, they were released yesterday by Bet Online. Uh, shout out to uh, yeah, SEC Mike is where I got it for the SEC championship odds, but it's from Bet Online. Georgia has the best odds right now to win the SEC title at two to one, and the second best odds, the Longhorns at two and a half to one right now behind Georgia to win the SEC title, which essentially will be predicting that Texas would end up playing Georgia in the SEC title game, and they play them during the regular season. Georgia's got to come to Austin, and then Texas. If you listen, if you look at these projections and uh, you believe them, um, they're implying that Texas and Georgia are going to face off in the SEC title game. And we've already talked about the 12 team playoff that the runner ups, whoever loses those championship games for the Power Four, they're going to automatically get elevated to the, the 12 team playoff. So, yes, there is a chance that Texas and Georgia can play three times yeah. next season. If everything goes right for Texas, they can play three times. Uh, but everybody's expecting Georgia and Texas to be good. Both return starting quarterbacks. Both return all their coordinators. They both return a ton of uh, of, of, of guys on the lines of scrimmage, D-line and O-line. Um, I think that's why people are looking at Texas and looking at, you know, looking at Georgia. And Georgia's been stacking that roster for years. Years. And Texas just started stacking that roster. And they're losing, I mean, perennial playmakers. You're losing Xavier Worthy. You're losing JT Sanders. You're losing the best D-tackle duo in the country. This is a to me. This is true growth for the Texas football brand. That you can lose those types of players. You're gonna lose potentially four or five players drafted in the top fifty picks or drafted in the first two rounds of the NFL draft, and yet basically you're just reloading because everybody's got you with a chance to win the SEC in your first year there. That is, I'll give Sark a lot of credit. That is not something that any of us envisioned when they first made that announcement. Well, and it's they're in a good place, and uh, Quinn Ewers came back for another year, so there's the quarterback continuity. Um, you know, you hit the portal uh, yep. and then filled holes where you were going to have holes, which you, you know couldn't have done in years past. Uh, and look, uh, we said it when it came out, I think the schedule, the original schedule for Texas, the initial 2024 schedule, as far as the SEC goes, is very favorable. Uh, you know, I said go look at Oklahoma's schedule. Uh, go look at uh, Florida. Uh, it could be a lot worse. And to have seven home games, to have Georgia here, if you got to play Georgia in the regular season, you'd rather have it be here. Yeah. Um, and then you know, get Florida here. Florida's down. Uh, they come in. Obviously, your road trips are to A and M, where they're re- you know they're in the middle of a coaching change. You're going to Arkansas, where Sam Pittman's trying to hold on. Going to Vanderbilt. Yeah. Those are winnable games, are right? Winnable so games. if you handle your home games, can beat your rival in Dallas. Uh, some, you know, can you stun Georgia and, uh, you know, take care of business here? Uh, well, that, that's, you know, that again, go look at Oklahoma's schedule and tell me you, you're, you're, you're in a better spot. Uh, and Oklahoma's entering the SEC with a brand new quarterback and five brand new offensive linemen. New coordinators. New coordinators. Yeah, new side. OC, got new DC. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, to me, that's a lot of turnover. I think that's what's helping Texas too. I mean, ultimately it's just been a lot of turnover period with your, I think by both your rivals had a lot of turnover, right? A&M, new coach. Oklahoma, new coordinators, new quarterback. Uh, Alabama is not your rival, but I'm just saying in that conference, you've been a lot of turnover too because Alabama, of course, Nick Saban retired, so there's a ton of turnover there. LSU just lost 
two first round wide receivers <laughs> and Malik Neighbors and um and the kid uh what's his name? Price? Brian uh Brian I forget his Thomas, name. Brian Thomas. Thomas, thank you very much. Um they're gonna lose two first and they lost the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, burying the lead there in Jaden Daniels. And they brought in a new defensive coordinator trying to rebuild that side of the ball. New defensive coordinator. It just seems like all of the usual threats to Texas are having are, are in transition. Well, heck, They're he, in transition. Even in the non-con, Michigan. Uh, you get, exactly. When you look at Michigan, you're like, <laughs> if you played them last year, you're like, oh, geez. And now they got 18 guys at the combine. They've got a new head coach. they got a new quarterback. That new Doesn't mean you can walk in there and win, but it, much like Alabama last year, you feel like you have the, the team with more continuity and more experience. Yeah. They're going through a transition period. So Texas is not going through a transition period. Texas is ascending right now as a program. So I think that's also helping just kind of these circumstances of things. Uh, also, if you look at uh, odds to make the 12-team playoff. Ohio State, best odds at minus 1,000. Uh, then Georgia at minus 900. Then Oregon tied with Texas at minus 500, third best odds. And then uh, Clemson uh, tied with Florida State at minus 250. Then K-State at minus 200. Michigan tied with Utah at minus 110. And after that, uh, you're, dealing with, you're dealing with plus. Uh, Miami's at plus 100 after that. So those are you know, pretty much your top seven teams um, to make the college football, best odds to make the college football playoff. And Texas has the third best odds to do that. So, I mean, the 12-team playoff, if you are, you know, you're going to be top two in the SEC, then you're comfortably in. If Texas wasn't top two, they got to be top four in the SEC. I think you're top four in the SEC in the Big Ten you're probably going to make it into the college football playoff. We'll come back uh, when we do. It's off the record. Good stuff there with Rod behind the BOC. And off the record includes news on the GOAT, Tom Brady. I saw this. Tom Brady and off the record, the GOAT. Uh, interesting with he and Giselle Boonjadin, Rod. Plus I some other that. off the record topics. Coming back, hook him up with Ian Rodby. The Horn text line has moved. Join the conversation on the new Horn text line, 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. Off the record on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B is brought to you by Viking Fence. When you think fences, think Viking Fence. D.D. Megadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a break, man. Cold. Congratulations. Continue good sex in the sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Yeah, I hate to get too deep in people's personal lives, but I uh, hate to hear this for uh, Tom Brady, but it seems like he's handled it in a good way. But according to the Daily Mail, which is always on point, you know, those uh, hey. British tabloids run. They get, they get the goods. They based the on goods. information from sources that talk to the Daily Mail, um, Tom Brady's ex-wife Giselle and her relationship with her former jiu-jitsu instructor which is happening right now in the post-divorce phase, yeah. and they're not taking it slow. They've been together for a while. According to the Daily Mail, this, this started years ago, their relationship, and Tom has accepted it. So that, they had an agreement? No. No, he didn't know it had started years ago until now. 
but uh, it, it was it started in, it wasn't inappropriate when it started, or were they just starting out as you know business acquaintances and friends, and then when did they get intimate? Sounds like well, while they were, while they were married. Uh, it says it says uh, even if those wounds could allegedly be a little deeper than some initially knew, according to the Daily Mail, Tom Brady is still grappling with his ex-wife Giselle's current relationship with her jujitsu instructor. Uh, but has learned to accept it. The former NFL star reportedly trying his best to move on and keep themes amicable for the sake of Giselle and the children. Uh, there's somewhat of a sore spot, though, in st- that it stems from the relationship's timeline between Bujden and her instructor, Joaquim Valente. Based on the information that you talked to the Daily Mail, there's at least a chance Giselle and her former instructor have had a relationship that began years ago, like when her and Brady were still married. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because he was at – I mean, Brady knows this dude. This dude was at the house. He was her jujitsu instructor. Right. He was like a, a, a personal trainer of sorts. So Brady knows him. He was at the house. That's why you don't let swole, attractive dudes in your house. <laughs> and when he to was work like, your woman out. <laughs> while, he, while he was uh, completely focused on football, yeah. immersed in the game. Yeah, trust me. That's always a bad idea. It's like those those Hollywood starlets who always let, like, like a, the hot babysitter in. And then, like, the Jude Laws of the world and Ben Affleck, you know, banging the babies in. It's like, well, yeah, you let a smoking hot little young thing into your house. What do you think was going to happen? You need to find ugly babysitters and yeah. ugly jujitsu instructors, fat, overweight ones, but they don't exist. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that didn't stop Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, because you're right. He, that was maid was not she attractive. Was not a, <laughs> she was not a – he was just slanging that thing. Anything that came around, I guess, it he says was going to here to the Daily Mail, and this I'll give Tom some credit if this is accurate. Tom and Joaquim are not friends, but Joaquim is around his kids, so Tom has to find the good in him yeah. and does believe he's a good guy. Yeah, it's like, dude, you're going to be around my damn kids. I at least got to vet you, but – yeah, it just it the fact that it pro, it possibly started while they were still together, that I'm sure for Tom is hard to accept because that's a violation of the trust. Come on, man. Y'all well, be, and remember, I mean, Tom Brady not a uh, you but, know. But she probably thinks Tom Brady cheated on her well, with, with the game of football. That's that's how a woman thinks. A woman's like, no, 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 you cheated on me first because you were supposed to retire, and then you went back to that damn game. We talked about this. Yeah. We were gonna spend time together as a family, and then we were finally gonna do all the things that we wanted to do because you had become the goat. And you told me, as long as I support you while you become the goat, the greatest of all time. Once you accomplish that, you were gonna leave the game alone and focus on your family. Did you do that? Hell no, you didn't do it. You went back to the game even after you won your Super Bowl with the Bucks. You went back well, to the that, game again. By all reporting, was the straw. Yeah, because I think they, they had, had agreed. agreement. They had agreed. You, you've been married long enough to know these things. These are contracts change. Yeah. Marriage is a contract. Yeah, it gets 100%. updated all the time. Well, remember Tom Brady <laughs> uh, left his uh, former girlfriend Bridget Moynihan while she was pregnant to get with yeah. Giselle. Hey, so upgrade. It's called upgrade. Yeah, it's called. It's called Bridget Moynihan ain't, ain't bad. She I'll tell you that. Bad, but Giselle's she better. She ain't Giselle. <laughs> she ain't a supermodel. <laughs> I love this. I love this message on the text line. This says. Uh, um, as a jiu-jitsu instructor, never let another man put your wife in a rear naked chokehold. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you got this attractive small dude. He's doing all these very weird, like, st- stances and positions with much. her. Thank you very much. Yeah, that br- brilliant. And don't, yeah. While she's mad at Tom, like, ooh. Yeah, well, yeah, she's mad. Rear naked yeah. chokehold. Oh, she's mad. Where's Tom? Nope, Tom's nowhere to be found. He's out He's there in training camp. He's studying his playbook. Camp. Yeah, he's studying his playbook in training camp. Nope, that's just not wise. Don't do it. Don't do it. But you know what? He got himself another Super Bowl. He did, but you know what did he lose? I know. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Like, is it was it was it worth it? I Tom Brady will say, hell yeah, it was worth it because football is my first love, and I'm sure he had that argument with. No, Giselle. I think the I think the straw break came after he won the Super Bowl. The, I know because they had an agreement that once you become the goat, he will you uh, will leave the game, and I think Tom Brady he he basically reneged on his promise. He's like, I'm going back to the game I love. 
Yep. I think that's what broke he, them up. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. There's been she's been quoted. She did a Vogue magazine article that essentially he chose football over me. Yeah. Um, which you know that then if if that's the case, then I'm moving on. Hello, Mr. Jiu-Jitsu reverse yeah. naked chokehold. You cheated first because yeah. our you violated our trust first, which the trust was you're going to leave that game. And Tom Brady basically decided football's my first love. Well, I'm not she told that Vogue game. that, hey, we had an agreement. It's basically my turn. She was going to start working on her charities and traveling the world, and yeah. Tom would stay home. Stay home with the kids. She put a lot on the back burner to raise the kids. And, no, yeah, no, that's you're right She's about like, that. like, I missed my prime for you. Now you got to allow me to make up for it. And Tom, you know, I don't know if it was selfish, but Tom decided, nah, football. I want football. I love football too much. That's what we love that about Tom, though, don't we? We know Tom loves the game. How do we know he loves the game? He chose the game over his wife. <laughs> the football sickness. The football the competitive a, sickness. He loves that game, man. Well, I, and it, I want a quarterback that loves the game that much. And I'll say this to you: if, you, if you're watching the uh, Patriots dynasty on Apple Plus, it's not surprising. Yeah. He was addicted to the game. Yeah. But don't you want your quarterback like and that? And he was addicted to the game before he was addicted to any girl. Don't you want your QB like that? Hundred <laughs> percent. You want your quarterback to, 100%. To, to, to have no balance in his life? <laughs> Come on, C.J. Stroud. Come on, C.J. Lock it in. <laughs> we'll be back. Uh, hook it up with Ian Rodby. Rolls on.